1 Kings 15, verse 1. In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, Abijah became king over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Makkah, the granddaughter of Abishalom, and he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by setting up his son after him and by establishing Jerusalem, because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him in all, uh, all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all, his, all the days of his life. Now, the rest of the acts of Abijam and all that he did, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And there was war between Abijam and Jeroboam. So Abijam rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. And so... Um, if you remember from our study now in 1 Kings, in 1 Kings, 2 Kings, and then again, uh, 1 Kings and 2 Kings, we will be going back and forth from this point on from the kingdom of Judah in the south, which is, uh, uh, which is uh, Judah and ben Benjamin, two of the 12 tribes, uh, to a different kingdom, the kingdom the kingdom in the north, which is 10 tribes, uh, and we're going to be going back and forth. There's two kingdoms now. There was a civil war, remember, after the uh, son of Solomon, Rehoboam, uh, 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 began to reign. Uh, 10 of the uh, tribes were sort of ripped away from the king in the south, the king in Jerusalem, and a different kingdom under Jeroboam was, uh, was uh, started in the north. So from, from, from now on, in First and Second Kings, it's going to be switching back and forth between uh, the kings in the south and the kings in the north, two different kings. So we're in, in, right now in chapter 15, it's the king of, of, of Judah that is being discussed. And interestingly, this is just a, a, a little method that's used by the Holy Spirit. They, in terms of dating um, these, uh, the different kings, they date the kings in the south by the kings of the north, like verse one says, in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, remember he's in the north, there was a new king in the south in, uh, in Judah. And so uh, the same thing when we see a new king in the north, it'll say, it'll say 
I don't know, in the sixth year of Asa, uh, there, a, a new king uh, uh, began to reign in the north. So they're, they're sort of intertwined here. Uh, so this guy, this new king, verse one, Abijam, he is Rehoboam's king, uh, rather Rehoboam's son. And it says he just reigned just three years. Uh, in verse three, it says, he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father, David. Now, um, I think David was what his great, great grandfather. But um, uh, you will see this from uh, this point on uh, with the kings, actually, even previous to this time. Uh, each king is sort of sized up. And um, oftentimes, um, what sizes up the king? It's his heart. It's not as much what he did externally. It's just in the in the summary statement of his his king of, of the king. It's his heart. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his uh, God. He may have been doing um, external religion. That's not what God wants from you. He wants your heart. He wants an undivided heart. Um, from you. As we uh, learned last uh, Sunday morning in the excellent service, excellent um, sermon by um, Dan Dehart, our worship leader, where worship is worshiping with all your heart, and God knows your heart. You can't, um, you can't fool God. And, um, but it says that, uh, it, it says there, he he, his heart, verse 3, was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. And verse 4, it says, Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by setting up his son after him and establishing Jerusalem. Meaning, and you will see this again, for David's sake, the messianic line continued regardless of whether it's a good good king or a bad king in the south in the north there's never any good kings but in the south um uh some of the kings are good uh most are bad but there's a number of them that are good but um god just continues that succession because of his father david and 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 jesus of course was the son of david uh, david was the first king in the messianic line. And so um, really, this is about Jesus here. Uh, God wanted to establish a kingdom through David as a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. So when you see in verse four, nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord as God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem. It was for Jesus's sake that this was, but was really an unbroken line for 400 years until they were taken over and exiled to uh, to the um, uh, to the to the kingdom of Babylon. The Babylonians Babylonians came in because of uh, their wickedness in Jerusalem, and they destroyed Jerusalem, and they were all exiled. Now, something that has intrigued me for years is um, I always suspected, being someone who who likes history, that. Um, I always suspected that uh, the unbroken line of father to son, father to son, father to son, 
father to son uh, that occurred between um, David and the last king, which I believe was uh, Jeconiah. Jeconiah was followed by Zedekiah, uh, was over 400 years. And I always suspected there's no way, because I know a, a fair amount reading about history, really my whole life, uh, that that there was never any father-son, father-son, unbroken um, dynasty like that, uh, of that length, 400 years, over 400 years. And in preparation for tonight, I actually did research it. And from what I found, indeed, there, there was uh, not in, it, it, there does not appear to be in the history of the world an unbroken father-son line of succession of kings uh, like happened in Israel between about 1000 BC and about, five, uh, about 590 BC. And uh, you could call it supernatural and miraculous. I mean, it's not an easy thing if you're someone who likes history and you, 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 um, you, you study different royal dynasties it doesn't take a whole lot for someone not to have a kid, uh, or in many in many centuries that they didn't have succession of women, or not to have a son, and so. But that was, and so many times a dynasty would just uh, a father a, a father son father son or father daughter dynasty only last um, three or four generations because um, the, the queen didn't have. Uh, a child or the queen didn't, uh, in many cases uh, where they did not permit uh, succession by women, uh, they did, the queen did not have a, um, the queen did not have a son. And so uh, this is a miracle. Now, why do I point that out? Um, by the way, if, <laughs> there's crazy lightning outside my, uh, outside my window now. We'll see what happens. I don't know if you just heard the thunder. But um, why do I bring up all that? Because it says, nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem. Meaning for David's sake, God is going to give him a long line of succession. It is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Um, by the way, for you complete history geeks, um, number the second place appears to be the Capetian dynasty uh, in France, and I forget what the years uh, what the years were from about a thousand A.D. to 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 thirteen hundred A.D. There's three hundred years in the Capetian dynasty. Although I want to research that more. If it was really father son father son, and it was didn't go to a nephew at some point or a niece or or a brother or something like uh, uh, something like that, um, or, or or a brother's child. But anyway, so because of David, because of the establishment of the royal line, a 400-year succession of kings, um, but this guy, his name is Abijam, bad king. Uh, his heart was not loyal to the Lord, and, uh, and uh, he only reigned three years. And it does say um, he rested with his father, uh, father's in verse eight, and his son Asa reigned in his place. 
Now, Asa was a, a good king. Let's, re, uh, let's read a little bit more about him. It says in verse 9, in the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, here again, they're, they're, they're sort of dating the kings in the south by the kings of the north. So the, the, in the 20th year of, of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa became king over Judah. He reigned 41 years in Jerusalem. His grandmother, grandmother's name was Makkah, the granddaughter of Abishalom. Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as, his, as did his father David. Let's read a few more lines. He banished the perverted persons from the land and removed all the idols that his father had made. Also, he removed Maka, his grandmother, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah, and Asa cut down her obscene image and burned it by the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was loyal to the Lord all his days. Note again, Calvary Chapel, it's your heart that God cares about. And um, it's worth every day, and I mean every day, going into the presence of the Lord and crying out as we did in the noon day prayer today. If you, if, if you can make it, we'd love to have you there at noon prayer. Uh, someone prayed, Lord, try me, examine me, see if there's any wicked way uh, within me, referring to Lord examining the heart. Now, I want to point out here something that's very important, and that is Asa was a good king. He was a good king, notwithstanding his great-grandfather, Solomon, turning to extreme wickedness in his later years, his grandfather, Rehoboam, turning to wickedness, and his father, Abijah, also being wicked. If you remember um, Solomon in chapter 11, 1 Kings 11, it said he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he did not fully follow the Lord like it like his father David. He built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and uh, it, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. Uh, he, uh, he, he, um, and we know from Chronicles that he actually engaged in child sacrifice, a, a, a very, very much wickedness. That's his great-grandfather. And then his grandfather, Rehoboam, uh, same thing. Uh, he, uh, it, it said of, it is said of Rehoboam uh, that, that Judah, during the reign of Jeroboam, did evil in the sight of the Lord. They built sacred pillars, wooden images um, under every uh, green tree, and there were perverted persons in the land. And so uh, his, uh, although Asa's father only reigned three years, that description of Rehoboam, perverted persons in the land, that those were homosexual, uh, homosexual uh, uh, harlots in the temple who used to do ritualized um, prostitution in the temple. Uh, and again, um, what's called they did a, under 
during the reign of Rehoboam, they did um, according to all the abominations of the nation um, of which the Lord had cast out. So he grew up with that. And we talked about this last week. What were the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel? Incest, bestiality, sex with animals, this kind of thing. This is what Asa grew up with. And, and so this line, his great-grandfather, his grandfather, his father, and all of a sudden, you see him, it says, he, this is a man, verse 14, whose heart was loyal to the Lord all his days. And so uh, what happened, we are really not sure. But um, it, it's such a wonderful thing to know um, that, uh, that we are not bound by whatever history we have in our family. Just because our fathers or mothers or grandfathers or grandmothers were uh, womanizers or manizers or uh, drunks or whatever, it, do it doesn't mean we need to continue in that lifestyle. You know, one of the, for the, anybody who has a history in their family of sin, um, Galatians 3, verse 13, really is the verse for them or for you, if that describes you. It says this, Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So the curse of sin is broken in Christ. Without Christ, yes, it's true. You just do what your father did. You just do what your grandfather did. You do what your great-grandfather did. But with Christ, that is broken. And so some of you, if you see um, sexual immorality um, with, you know, it, it, amongst your father or mother or grandfather or grandmother or whatever, you can say with confidence, that's not going to be me. I have a promise that Christ redeemed me from the curse of sin that has been going from generation to generation in my family. I think this is particularly important uh, when it comes to marriage, because marriage is a very serious commitment, and it's an absolutely wonderful, uh, can be a wonderful blessing to the Lord. I, I, I quote it all the time. Malachi chapter two says, marriage is the institution which God loves. Just because you saw your parents get multiple divorces, or you saw your parents never get married at all, but just go, you know, there's three or four baby mamas uh, in the family, whatever. You can say with confidence Going into marriage, that's not going to be the case with me because of Jesus Christ, who has redeemed me. Galatians three chapter, uh, Galatians three verse thirteen, from the curse of the law, having become a curse for you. So Jesus broke that curse, so you can confidently. And we learn from Asa here; he didn't. There were generations of really intense wickedness. Uh, in the land, and it, it says that his heart was loyal to the, to the Lord all his days. And what did he do? Again, verse 12, he banished the perverted persons from the land. So the, 
the homosexual and, and, and heterosexual prostitutes that were used in temples. Um, he, he, uh, he banished them from the land. He, he exiled them. Uh, he, he cast them out of the land. He removed, uh, verse 12, all the idols that his fathers had made. He had grown up with these things. These things were normal to him. Um, and, and so someone was teaching this young man, perhaps even secretly, the word of God, because the, 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 the book of the law is really, really clear. Idols are, um, are idols should have no place in the land of Israel. Um, verse 13, he removed Maka, his grandmother, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah, probably, uh, a not probably, almost certainly a, a, a sexual kind of image of a sexual organ um, that was, uh, or, or a sexual, actually, people engaging in some sexual act was put up by his grandmother and I, I, I always, this, this one always moves me. And this is not the only time we're going to see this with a, with a, uh, a king in Judah, a righteous king in Judah, uh, removing your own grandmother. Because uh, are, we, are we supposed to respect our, our, our grandmothers and grandfathers and fathers and, and mothers? Absolutely, we are. But when they cross the line... Um, when they cross the line, uh, you need to, to do something about it. You know, we had the parents seminar last January. I just encourage you, if you didn't um, look at those, you should. We had four weeks in, um, of that, and those are all online. You know, if you have a grandfather who comes into the house, and he puts it, you know, he, he puts, gets his Netflix account and he's um, watching a movie that is uh, inappropriate. Well, we can't do anything. It's grandpa. Yes, you can do something. You need to tell him to stop. He does not have, it's God's house. Doesn't, I, I know you have to, to honor authority and honor uh, the elderly as well, or older, um, but you do not let your grandparents or any other people older than you, the context here is older than you, come into the house and use their authority of their age to practice wickedness. Um, if they are making jokes um, in the house, racial or sexual, that needs to come to an end. You need to, to talk with them. You need to even out loud, if they do, uh, you, you may want to, to, to get with them in private and say, look, that's not appropriate um, around here. But listen, if you have kids, it may be entirely appropriate to out loud, listen, grandpa or grandma, we don't do that in this house. This is God's house. This is a Christian's house. So important, Calvary Chapel. That you don't that you 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 practice the principle of King Asa, and if any of that is going on, um, you you get to stop it, stop sin. It's God's house. It says in verse fourteen, and I believe um, Dan uh, quoted this, although it may have been the the parallel account in Chronicles that the high places were not removed, meaning there were places in the land 
that um, uh, usually uh, uh, they were um, at, on hills and mountains, although Dan uh, pointed out that was not always the case, but they were a place where um, people were, uh, were practicing worship and it could even be worship towards the Lord Jehovah, but it was not in the right place. At this time, Jerusalem was the only place to be, for example, sacrificing a lamb or something like that. And uh, the Jews sometimes worshiped Jehovah uh, in high places. We saw that with King Solomon, uh, that he worshiped in, he worshiped Jehovah, he worshiped the Lord in, 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 in high places. And so uh, the high places were, were not removed. He, he was not perfect, but verse 14 says, nevertheless, his heart was loyal to the Lord all his days. Verse 15, he also brought into the house of the Lord the, the things which his father had dedicated and the things which he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and utensils. Now, there was war between uh, uh, Asa and Basha, king of Israel, all their days. And so it, it wasn't just getting rid of things like idols. It was properly tending to the temple, to the church of God. Uh, that was, you could say, uh, that, that he did. Verse 17, and Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah. So here is during the, uh, uh, during the time of uh, Asa's reign, Basha, who we're going to be reading about later, God willing, uh, attacked, so the northern kingdom attacked the southern kingdom, mainly King Asa. And um, he didn't let, so that he might let no none go out or come into Asa, king of Judah. So remember that in the north, the sin of Jeroboam was what? The sin of Jeroboam was he said in his heart, wait a second, I know the law of Moses says that every Jew needs to be going down to Jerusalem uh, three times a year, but I don't want my, the, uh, the people in my kingdom going down to Jerusalem. They may, um, the king in the south may win over their heart. So he uh, made uh, other cities contrary to the law of God in the north, Bethel and Dan, and then he put up a golden calf in each place and said, that's Jehovah, that's Yahweh, that's the king, whatever, rather, that's the God who took you out of Egypt, worship there, you don't have to go down there. So this other king, King Basha, verse 17, takes a further step, and he builds a city right on the border between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and he would use this city to prevent people from going south or people from the south going, uh, going north. Verse 18, then Asa took all the silver and the gold that was left in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the treasuries of the king's house and delivered them into the hand of his servants. And King Asa sent them to Ben-Hadad, the son of Tabrimam, the son of Hezion, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, meaning Asa said to the king in Syria, verse 19, let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. 
See, I have sent you a present of silver and gold. Come and break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. Verse 20. So Ben-Hadad heeded King Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. He attacked Aijon, Dan, Abel, Beth, Maka, and all Jenareth with all um, with all the land of Nephali. Now it happened when Basha heard it, then he stopped building Ramah and remained in Terza. So what is going on here is that Asa, we know from Chronicles, later in his reign, when he's being threatened by the king in the north, goes to a pagan king, an evil king, uh, in Syria and says, hey, can you help me with these uh, folks in the north? He makes a treaty and he's successful with it. Now, I'm not going to go into this in great length, but in the book of Chronicles, we learned that he was rebuked harshly by a prophet of God. Why do you go to a wicked pagan king and ask for help. Why didn't you ask God for help? Notice here, there's, there's no talk here of Asa going to God and say, hey, we're having all this trouble with this the, the kingdom of Israel north of me. Would you please help me, God? He didn't do it. He, what he did, he, he's essentially, um, he's essentially, uh, operating in the flesh here, operating with his wit, with his operating in the natural rather than the supernatural. He's doing something that many people would say was a real wise thing uh, to do, um, but it wasn't of God. So we know from Chronicles, he was rebuked um, by a prophet for doing this. Um, and, and what the prophet said was, look, there was a previous war where a million Ethiopians showed up and you cried out to, uh, out to God. Now, um, we don't see the war with the Ethiopians here in 1 Kings. We will see it in 2 Chronicles. But here in 1 Kings, we do not see it. And um, it was, it's, one of the most, uh, it's one of the most wonderful accounts, really, in the Bible of faith where earlier in his reign, Asa went to God. He had a million Ethiopians coming against him with I don't know, many, many chariots, and God defeated them. And But later in his reign, King Asa, we see here in 1 Kings, he's relying on the flesh. He's probably gotten wealthier. Oftentimes, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and he'll add all these things unto you there. Prosperity does often happen um, when, um, when someone starts following the Lord, following Christ, in this case with Asa, following Yahweh. And at this point, he uses money to buy off a pagan wicked king to achieve the victory. But there's no conversation with the Lord. And I tell you, um, you don't want to do that in your personal life. You don't want to do that in, in ministry either. I, you know, um, in the days of social media, I get a temp, I, I'm just constantly be, uh, uh, being, um, having something come across my desk, you know, boost your Facebook, 
page, your Calvary Chapel Facebook page and send it to whatever, 500,000 people. And um, there are churches that um, use social media to the max, like social media firestorms. And I, I, I don't want to judge them. I really don't. But they will be accountable to God. Who are you, who are you leaning on to build your church? Jesus said, I will build my church. And so um, there is a constant temptation to be using other means. It doesn't mean that we never use social media. We do. It, it doesn't mean, mean that we never pass out flyers, but really, where's your heart at? I remember at a previous church I was in, it was not a Calvary Chapel. It was a man in the church who, who was a leader in the church who was trying to convince the pastor to buy some machine where, which at the time, this is pre-cell phone days, um, uh, you could populate the machine with every single telephone number in the county. And so every single person um, uh, in the county would be getting a telephone call uh, by a computerized voice inviting them to the church. And man, if that's how you build your church, uh, God help us if that's what we have to resort to. Can I say that in 100% ch cases it's wrong? I, I, I can't say that, but we really have to be looking at our heart. And so he, he goes up there and he makes this treaty um, and and just because it works, it, it, in this case, this is so important, Calvary Church Chapel, just because something works doesn't mean it's what God wanted you to do. And so often I hear this. Some church will say, we did this and that. We used a social media firestorm. I've seen it myself, of social media firestorms. That, um, um, working, at least for a season, uh, bringing in people. But is that really what God wants? Um, it, it, if we're trusting it, just because something works, there's huge churches in this country um, that um, are, for example, using uh, different worship techniques. Dan was re referring to them on Sunday that are not glorifying to God. And many of them will say, well, but look at all the people that are coming. Well, you the response to that is you look at 1 Kings 15 just and, and, and the corresponding chapter in 2 Chronicles. Just because something works doesn't mean it glorifies the Lord. And so um, uh, we'll read more about that in 2 Chronicles. Um, but kings of Israel really are not supposed to be making war treaties um, um, with wicked kings. Um, and then, uh, and then in this case, attacking their brethren. Uh, remember, these are their their cousins in the northern kingdom. Not supposed to be doing that. Verse twenty-two. So um, after the northern kingdom was defeated, the king Asa made a proclamation throughout all Judah. None was exempted, and they took away the stones and the timber of Rama. Remember, Rama's that city that the king in the north was building on the border to prevent anyone from going in and out. But the king in the north had been defeated by the Syrians. So he had taken off, leaving this city, this ghost city. And so what Asa does, 
he tells all his people, go take the stones and the timber, which Basha had used for building. And with them, King Asa built Geba, Benjamin, and Mizpah. So he um, so looks like a success, but really it's not. Verse 23, the rest of the acts of Asa, all his might, all that he did, and the cities which he built, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? But in the time of his old age, he was dis uh, diseased in his feet. So Asa rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Jehoshaphat, another good king, his son reigned in his place. Uh, so quickly, a couple things. Why does it say in verse 14 that Asa's heart was loyal to the Lord all his days if he, in fact, made a treaty with the wicked king and it was even rebuked uh, by a, a prophet for it? And um, in fact, and then he put the prophet in jail. Why does it say that his heart was loyal to the Lord all his days. You know, um, we need to, uh, on, on Tuesday nights, really dig in. You know, a Bible critic's going to come along and say, what's up with this? Well, um, I, I think the best way to explain it is uh, he never turned to Baal. He never turned to another god. He never turned to Astros and, and these other things. Um, he did make some mistakes. Another mistake he made, by the way, is in the parallel account in Chronicles when it talks about the fact that he, uh, he was diseased, diseased in his feet. It says he did not turn to the Lord. Instead, he went to doctors. Um, doesn't mean that we don't use doctors, but it's an important principle um, when it comes to physical maladies. We turn to the Lord first and um, always uh, for him. And uh, we don't just immediately pick up the phone and call the doctor. We, we ask the Lord. And so, but it does say his heart, verse 14, um, was loyal to the Lord all his days. And I think the best way to explain that is he'd never turn to another God. Uh, he got really grumpy and pra overly practical in his older years, but he didn't turn to another God. But let's continue. It says in verse 24, he rested uh, with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place. Now in verse 25, we're going to go back to the northern kingdom. You'll get used to it eventually. So we're leaving the line of kings from David, and we're going up to the, um, the line of kings in the north, which started with Jeroboam, but it's about to end. Now Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, became king of Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah, and he reigned over Israel two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father, and in his sin, by which he had made Israel sin. Then Basha, the son of Ahisha, of the house of Issachar, conspired against him. And Basha killed him at Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines, which Nadab and all Israel, while Nadab and all Israel laid siege to Gibbethon. Basha killed him in the third year of Asa, king of Judah, 
and reigned in his place. And it was so when he became king that he killed all the house of Jeroboam. He did not leave to Jeroboam anyone that breathed until he had destroyed him, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his servant Ahijah the Shilonite, because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he had sinned, and by which he had made Israel sin, because his provocation with which he had provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger. Now the rest of the acts of Nadab and all that he did, are they not written in the books of the Chronicles of the kings of, of Israel? And there was war between Asa and Basha all of their days. In the year, in the third year of, of, of Asa, king of Judah, Basha, the son of Ahijah, became king over all Israel and Terzah, and he reigned 24 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of Jeroboam and in his sin by which he had made Israel sin. So, do you remember last week where, uh, again, remember what the sin of Jeroboam was? I'm probably going to be reminding you a lot because it's referred to so much. Jeroboam's sin was not turning Israel to other gods like Baal or, or uh, Molech or gods like that, but taking God, precious, uh, our precious Father, Lord God Almighty, and making two calves and saying, okay, that's what you're supposed to worship. You're not supposed to go down to Jerusalem anymore. Serious violation of Exodus chapter 20, the second commandment, um, which says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image and bow down to it. And, um, and it was a serious sin. And, and Jeroboam also uh, rejected the uh, Mosaic law of uh, only Levites being priests. He made anyone a priest who wanted to be a priest. You could, if it was a favorite friend of his, oh, sure, you'd be a priest. It was a lucrative business, by the way. Uh, in addition to that, he made his own religious feasts. Uh, and so that's a very, very serious thing. But remember that originally he was told during the reign of Solomon, because of Solomon's wickedness, I'm going to make you king. And if you're loyal to me, you will be an enduring house. But he didn't. He sinned greatly. He made those two golden calves. And what happened um, a, a prophet went to him, this guy Ahijah, and remember from last week, it talks about his descendants, Jeroboam's descendants, dogs. First uh, Kings fourteen eleven shall eat, shall eat whoever belongs to Jeroboam and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whatever dies in the field for the Lord has spoken. And, and uh, that's exactly what we just saw, the fulfillment of that. His son was killed and everyone else is killed. And, uh, and the Jeroboam's progeny, his descendants, wiped out. And they were wiped out without a, bur a burial. And so that had been prophesied. There's this new king, Basha. 
He's another wicked king, and that's going to be a familiar story over and over and over. We are going to see wicked king after wicked king after wicked king in the north. In the north. Chapter 16, let's begin. Then the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, Hanani against Basha, saying, Inasmuch as I lifted you out of the dust and made you ruler over my people Israel, you have walked in the way of Jeroboam. So in other words, the guy who killed Jeroboam's son, his name is Basha, just continued in the same sins of Jeroboam. And so now a prophet, Lord sending a prophet to him, telling him, you know, rebuking him. And, and it says, you've made the people sin, and a verse two, to provoke me to anger with their sin. Surely I will take away the posterity of Basha and the posterity of his house, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Basha and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. Now the rest of the acts of Basha, what he did in his might, are, not, are they not written? in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. So Basha rested with his fathers and was buried in Terza. Then Elah, his son, reigned in his place. And also the word of the Lord, verse 7, came by the prophet Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Basha and his house because of all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord and provoking him to anger with the work of his hands, in being like the house of Jeroboam. So what was his sin? This guy, Basha, who's now the second royal dynasty in the north. There's going to be many different royal dynasties in the north. Some of them extremely short. Some of them one generation. But, um, but uh, his sin was being like the house of Jeroboam. If you're taking um, notes, you can just write that down or just underline. What was his sin? Verse 7, he in being like the house of, of Jeroboam. And that's going to be repeated over and over and over again. And why is the Lord so sensitive? Well, it, when Moses asked God who what his name was, God said, go back to Israel and deliver them. And he says, well, what do I tell him your name is? He said, I am. I am. And it, it, he, it, he said his name was. And, and, and um, he wasn't. He's so much bigger than a golden calf or anything that can be made with stone or wood or any other carved image. He's so much bigger than that. But it's also, you know, what that does, it removes the relationship. You can't have a relationship with a golden calf. You can't have a relationship with a wooden pole. And, and this is why we're going to see this over and over. Um, the royal dynasties ending or kings being called wicked. Why? Because they were like the house of Jeroboam. God wants a relationship with you, Calvary Chapel. He wants a relationship with you. And anything that gets in the way of that, uh, God wants to strip down. He wants to break it down. Um, his name is I Am. And, and that's, a, that's a relational name. It, it, it's, you can't, my name is I Am. You, you, and, and you can't, the, the, the Bible says the heavens and the earth uh, do, cannot contain uh, the Lord, much less a, a wooden image, and much less even his temple. The Bible says even his temple. Stephen in Acts 8, 7 says the, the temple cannot 
uh, hold uh, the, the Lord. And so, um, you know, if a building gets in the way of your worship of God, God will take away the building. And, and because what he wants is you. He doesn't want the building. He wants you. And that was the sin of Jeroboam. Verse 8. In the 26th year of Asa, king of Judah, Elah, the son of Basha, became king over Israel and reigned two years in Terza. Now his servant Zimri, commander of half his ch chariots, conspired against him as he was in Terza, drinking himself drunk in the house of Arza, steward of his house in Terza, and Zimri went in and struck him and killed him in the 27th year of Asa, king of Ju Judah, and reigned in his place. Now, this is the third royal, dyn royal dynasty in the north. And remember, very important, in the south for 400 years, there's only one royal dynasty. It's the royal dynasty of David, of the... Uh, of really of Jesus Christ, a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And so um, there's a method to all this that, it, it, that God is trying to communicate something with the royal dynasty that's going to lead to Jesus Christ. There's not going to, there's only going to be one. But in the north, it's just chaos and bedlam and coup d'etats and, and craziness all the time. And here's another one. Uh, so uh, there's this guy, um, uh, Zimri, he is the son of Basha, and he's, he's drunk. Um, it says in verse 9, and, you know, what, why does God not want you to drink uh, in excess? Because it affects your judgment, and it sure affects this guy's judgment while he's... While he's drunk, he says, oh, well, I'm just going to become king myself, and I'm going to uh, kill uh, uh, the, the, the king over Israel. And so he does. He, he, he does it, and um, he kills him. And then in verse 11, it came to pass when he began to reign, as soon as he was seated on his throne, he killed all the household of Basha. He did not leave him one male, neither of his relatives nor of his friends. So again, that same prophecy that the sons of Basha will be eaten in the fields by birds and um, and dogs, it's it's fulfilled again here. Um, and it says, thus, verse 12, Zimri destroyed all the household of Basha according to the word of the Lord which he spoke against Basha by Jehu, the prophet for all the sins of Basha and the sins of Elah, his son, by which they had sinned and by which they had made Israel sin in provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. God is holy. He becomes angry when, uh, and, and, and he's actually becomes jealous. The Bible says in the 10 commandments it says he's a jealous God. Uh, it, um, it says uh, there um, it, he, that he is uh, a jealous God and that he um, will strike out against idols in your, in your life 
when, when they come in. So uh, it's so important. Book of James also uh, says, does not the spirit of God yearn jealously for your love? He does. Uh, that's a paraphrase, but um, he does. He yearns jealously and he just doesn't sit back when, when there are idols destroying people and which also are just an offense to his own holiness and to his own um, exclusiveness. Verse 14, now the rest of the acts of Elah and all that he did, are they not written in the books of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Verse 15, in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, Zimri had reigned in Terza seven days. And the people, meaning his people, his subjects, were encamped against Gibbethon, which belongs to the Philistines. Now the people who were encamped heard it and said, Zimri has conspired and also has killed the king. So they didn't like this. They're getting news that there's a new king. And who is it? Got Zimri? Is that that guy that drunk Zimri? Forget about that. Verse 16 says, all Israel made Omri, the commander of the army, king over Israel that day in the camp. So the general, they make the general uh, sort of a rival king at this point. Verse 17, then Omri and all Israel with him went up to Gibbethon and they besieged Terza. And it happened when Zimri saw that the city was taken, that he went into the citadel of the king's house and burned the king's house down upon himself with fire and died. And so that's what really, really, really self-centered people do. They not only commit suicide, they, they, bring, they kill others at the same time while they're doing it. They don't want to go out. Uh, they basically um, want to drag everyone down with them um, in their death. And that's what this, this, this guy did. It started what happened when he was getting drunk. And, and, and I tell you, while the Bible does not prohibit alcohol, um, Calvary Chapel, you need to be very, very circumspect. Um, uh, number one, whether you have alcohol. Number two, if you do, with, you know, with whom, uh, you are having alcohol. The Bible says that you shouldn't be having it with anyone who has an issue with alcohol. And but number three, how much you drink, because you you will really are are, are if you're drinking too much, risking really disaster. Uh, and and the things that alcohol does to the brain and the judgment that it clouds. Well, here's a good example. The guy winds up, winds up going into the king's house, the king's citadel, a fortress, and everyone in there and commanding that everyone get, get burned down in the house with him. That's where the, the drunkenness let, let him, uh, led him. So um, alcohol, Calvary Chapel, you need to be circumspect, very careful with it. Um, verse 19 this happened to him because of the sins which he had committed in doing evil in the sight of the Lord and walking in the ways of Jeroboam and in his sin, which he had committed to make Israel sin. Now, the rest of the acts of Zimri and the treason he committed, are they not written in the books of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Verse 21. 
Then the people of Israel were divided into two parts. Half of the people followed Tibni, the son of Ginnath, to make him king, and half followed Omri. So if you remember, um, when the people heard that their king had been assassinated by Zimri, they made Omri the, the, uh, the king who was commander. But in another part of Israel, apparently, um, they, they made this other person, Tibni, uh, king. So now again, there's two kings. Verse 22 says, however, that the people who followed Omri prevailed, who followed Tibni, um, the, king, uh, uh, the son of Ginnath. So Tibni died and Omni, Om, Omri reigned. And so now this is the fourth dynasty in the north. And again, remember, only one in the south. After only a few generations, um, after only a, a, few, a few generations, at least in the south, um, with one dynasty, there's already been four in the north. And it just represents the chaos that will come into your life, into your little kingdom, the kingdom of your life, when you rebel against the word of the Lord. In the 31st year of Asa, king of Judah, Omri became king over Israel and reigned 12 years. Six years he reigned in Terzah. And he, brought, he bought the hill of Samaria from Shemer for two talents of silver. And he built on the hill and called the name of the city which he built Samaria after the name of Shemer, owner, owner of the hill. So we're going to hear a lot about Samaria right up into the time of the time of Jesus. Um, we're going to be hearing about Samaria. And this verse here really tells about the inception um, of that place. Verse 25, Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse than all who were before him. For he walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. So again, the sin of, of, of Jeroboam. He, uh, God is the Yahweh is the great I am. You can't put a, I mean, you can't put a golden calf or anything else um, uh, that represents him. Uh, he wants your heart. He wants a relationship. But at verse 26 says he walked in, the, um, in all the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and in, and in his sin, by which he had made Israel's sin, provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. Now, the rest of the acts of Omri, which he did, and the might that he showed, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Omri rested with his father, fathers and was buried in Samaria. Then Ahab, his son, reigned in his place. Now that, uh, he's, Ahab's going to take wickedness to a whole new level. This is Ahab. That's of Jezebel fame. Jezebel is his, uh, was his wife. And um, things are going to get much worse. If, it's po if, if such a thing were possible, and it was, um, things are going to get worse under Ahab and Jezebel. But